Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use, talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app, start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games, and of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <coughs> What's up, guys? Here to uh, wrap up, put a bow on this week two victory, our beloved protecting the home field, getting the win over the Bengals, even though it got kind of ugly there uh, at the end. It, for the most part, was a dominant win uh, by our beloved Chicago Bears. Um, had a quick, had a big scare. Uh, in the game, thinking we might lose Andy Dalton uh, for the season. Uh, I, I know that was, you know, music to some people's ears because it, you know, it meant Justin Fields was going to play. But uh, this was not what we wanted. We want, we wanted Dalton to be around and be the backup and, and continue to mentor uh, Fields even when he took over uh, the job. Good news is, uh, it looks like it's just a bone bruise, so no torn ACL. He's still probably going to be out a few weeks, which means we're likely to see Justin Fields start on Sunday, even though Nagy is already playing games. He refused to tell reporters if Andy Dalton was starting on Sunday. He did, however, throw it out there through Chicago PR that when healthy, Andy Dalton is the starter for the Chicago Bears. But uh, the real question is, Will he be healthy enough to play on Sunday? He won't answer that question. So maybe we'll get a better answer later on in the week. But uh, for now, looks like it's Justin Fields starting against the Cleveland Browns in Ohio where he made a name for himself with the Buckeyes. So he'll probably have more fans out there than the Bears will. But uh, nonetheless, <laughs> he'll have a few. 
But uh, anyway, before we can talk about the Cleveland Browns, we got to close the book on the Cincinnati Bengals. So let's go ahead and get started. It's the week two review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. In his time as head coach, Matt Nagy has always done a fairly decent job of protecting Soldier Field. He was 7-1 and one, uh, as the uh, head coach in his first year in 2018. Um, off the top of my head, I think we were better at home than we were on the road in 2019 and 2020. But, uh, you know, I think he still has a winning record uh, at Soldier Field, or at least let's hope he does. Maybe I'm just talking out of my ass, but anyway, it was uh, up for grabs and uh, we were looking for our ninth. Conse- this was something that I forgot to bring up last week was that this is game one of the Bears defending their two time AFC North championship because, um, you know, it's like I know the Browns are most likely to end this streak on Sunday or at least they're in a really great position to be because they're an outstanding football team. Um you know, we we swept the AAFC North in 2013 and in 2017, and here we are in 2021, one down, three to go to defend our crown. So, uh, you know, we got some tough football games ahead because we we got the quote unquote easiest one out of the way on Sunday with the uh, the Bengals, um, and uh, we got the Browns, who are probably the toughest battle uh, of the three. Not that the Ravens or the Steelers are going to be anything to sneeze at, but this is definitely like if we can beat them, we should definitely be able to win the other two. That's for sure. But, um, uh, you know, I forgot to bring it up all of last week and we were talking. I'm sure that uh, I'll bring it up when I talk to Jeff Lloyd uh, on Thursday to preview uh, Bears Browns uh, for week number three. And, uh, you know, to, I don't know, probably jinx it since I didn't mention it against the uh, Bengals uh, guys. But uh, anyway. Yeah, looking forward to week three. But uh, week number two, you know, we were we were obviously all kind of nervous uh, about it, especially with the the big playability that the the Bengals showed uh, against the Vikings week one. Uh, Jamar Chase, their top pick, um, you know, had that big fifty yard reception uh, just before halftime, got him a nice lead uh, going into the half, and you know, since he kind of controlled that ball game but in very similar fashion to what happened on Sunday um you know they let the Vikings get back into it before winning the game uh in overtime and that's basically what we did we got out to a big lead and let the Bengals you know made some mistakes that got the Bengals back into the uh ball game before hanging on uh at the end so we were able to keep it in in regulation and get the the victory uh, for ourselves, but uh, not without, uh, you know, <laughs> getting everybody's blood pressure up before they before they did it. So we were looking to defend the home field, you know, this quote-unquote Andy Dalton revenge game uh, and whatnot, and things got off to a good start. When the Bears uh, took the field, we got the opening drive, and we put it in the end zone. You know, it's been a while since I think we had done that. Um, uh, you know, well, at least, you know, <laughs> I know that we did it like against the Texans or something like that. It's just uh, 
when we were as bad as we were on offense for the stretch that we were last season, uh, you know, you, you forget the success, to be honest with you. It's weird, but you do. And uh, anyway, uh, we did get some help, though, uh, on that opening drive to, to punch it in, and it would kind of tell the, tell the, tell the tale for how the game was going to go. Knee-jerk reaction, first quarter, Bears and Bengals, and um, we're winning. We're up 7 nothing. We took the opening drive in for a touchdown, 11-yard throw from Andy Dalton to uh, Allen Robinson. Uh, thanks greatly in part to a pass interference penalty on Eli Apple. Gave us 32 yards on like third and 12 or something like that. It was a long third down play. The Bengals were only bringing three. Andy Dalton had all day back there, found Marquise Goodwin, and he, he got the pass to Goodwin, who made the catch, but was number one uh, who made the catch despite the fact that Eli Apple literally shoved him towards the sideline. Not and before while the ball was in the air. Not, not when he made the catch to kind of push him out of bounds to offset him catching, because that old rule's been gone for a while. But um, that 32-yard gain sets us up, and a few plays later we score from 11 yards out uh, to go up 7 nothing. Then when the Bengals get their ball, um, after getting a couple of quick first downs, the Bears shut them down on third down. And but, but, Tashawn Gibson gets called for the new taunting penalty, 15 yards and a first down when we should have been getting Cincy to punt from their own territory. Now they're near midfield, and by the time we finally stop them, with a sack from Robert Quinn of all people. Uh, now we're, we've got the football uh, after the punt at our own seven-yard line where we would have been making them kick from around their own 25, 30, somewhere in that area. They're kicking on our half of the field, and we start from the seven-yard line. So, you know, and then on like two plays in to the drive uh, for the Bears, the Bengals get called for taunting. And to tell you the truth, neither one of them should have been called. Neither one, because Deshaun Gibson got called for clapping. Uh, over, I think it was Jamar Chase who dropped the ball. Um, Jamar Chase or T. Higgins, one of the two, drops the football, and uh, Gibson is standing over him clapping, and that was the taunting call. And then uh, Von Bell for the uh, for the Bengals uh, comes in free on a on a hot on a blitz, and. Uh, you know, he gets his hand on the ball and it doesn't kick complete. And then he gets in Andy Dalton's face. He gets flagged. You know, it's like, I know that one went in our favor, but I'm already over the taunting calls. I mean, it's just, you know, football is about as emotional a sport as there is in the world. And you're basically telling these players they're not allowed to be. It's nonsense. But the sec, we're still, we only have the ball for the second time. We've been eating up the clock like crazy. Andy Dalton's back in at quarterback after a few snaps from Justin Fields. Let's say we go from here. You know, the reason that I kind of, uh, you know, was harping on the penalties is because that was kind of the tale of the first quarter. It's like it really wasn't so much that these teams were doing these things on their own. It's that they were kind of helping each other do it. Uh, the Bears and, and Gibson and that stupid taunting penalty extending the drive uh, for the Bengals when they should have been punting. Uh, Eli Apple and his pass interference call 
uh, giving the Bears uh, a fresh set of downs and 30-plus yards they did not earn uh, when, you know, Goodwin wasn't likely – well, maybe he did. I mean, it just – I mean, it was probably one of those acceptable penalties despite the uh, yardage. It was better to have the pass interference than to let him catch the ball. I don't know. But, um, you know, maybe the referees let him get away with it or, or what have you. And instead, he got flagged for it 30-plus yards for us. We're inside the red zone. A few plays later, we put it in uh, to the end zone with uh, Allen Robinson's 40th career touchdown uh, reception. So, uh, you know, we capitalized on the mistakes, which is, you know, a fantastic thing. We didn't force many mistakes out of the Rams, if any, last Sunday. So it was nice to see we were still able to do that. And keeping the Bengals off the scoreboard in the first quarter was a good start. And something that, you know, you kind of see, especially after the second quarter, uh, you know, we got one sack from Robert Quinn in the first quarter, and it, it kind of uh, continued into the second quarter with, with uh, at least one more sack by Bilal Nichols. You hear me talk about that. But we had a scare. Uh, just when he was really starting to get warmed up, uh, running the offense and, and seemed like he was getting something going. He was doing some scrambling. Of course, I'm talking about Andy Dalton. We have ourselves a weird little moment and this very bittersweet thing that gets Justin Fields on the field for pretty much the entire game, but also was, uh, you know, not the way we wanted to do it and, and definitely not something any Bear fan should have been hoping for. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction. Bears, Bengals after the second quarter, and uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's it's still seven nothing. We're still winning the game. Uh, looks like the defense brought its pass rush with them today. Uh, you know, Robert Quinn with the sack in the first quarter. We've been doing well pressuring Joe Burrow. Just just uh, closed down the second quarter with a sack on Burrow by Bilal Nichols to run out the remainder of the clock, but otherwise it's not really a whole lot to be excited about um, in this first half. You know, it just uh, hasn't been pretty. Uh, Our offensive line is not playing well. Uh, They've sacked Andy Dalton and Justin Fields two or three to at least twice uh, in the first half, pressured them uh, many other times uh, as well. Um, you know, we're not running the football, uh, very well when we do try to run the ball, uh, and everything like that. Like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm certain after watching the rest of the first half that had it not been for that 32 yard pass interference penalty that maybe we don't score on that opening drive, you know, or at least we don't score a touchdown. That's for sure. Um, you know, the quarterback situation, uh, is up in the air right now because in the middle of in the second quarter there. Andy Dalton was scrambling and seemed to awkwardly step on his left leg, therefore buckling his knee. He immediately comes out of the game. Justin Fields goes in, finishes the drive, which unfortunately ended in a, um, in a uh, failed fourth and one attempt. And, uh, you know, they, they took over and the Bears shut the Bengals down on fourth down. But Dalton comes back in on the next drive, was in there for the entire series, and then after that was seen walking to the locker room. So we don't know what's going on with Dalton, how serious the injury was. I tweeted almost immediately when I saw the replay, I think we may have lost 
Dalton for the season. Like injuries that look like that often result in torn ACLs. So we'll have to see what happens uh, with Andy Dalton. You know, if they can get, uh, you know, I don't know if they have an MRI machine in the locker room to be able to check it out. Uh, I know they have x-rays, but I don't know if they have, I don't, I don't think they have MRIs uh, in the locker room. But, you know, I, I, I would not be surprised if we don't see Dalton uh, for the game. And, and honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to hear sometime tomorrow or Tuesday that he's been lost for the season. Um, and for the record, that's a bad thing, guys. That's a bad thing. You know, it, it's one thing to want fields out there. It's another for us to lose Dalton for the season and A, be relegated to Nick Foles if anything happens to uh, Justin Fields. And, you know, the, the, the benefit of having Andy Dalton, uh, you know, on the bench is having Andy Dalton on the bench. So like, God forbid something happens to Justin Fields or whatever, we're putting Andy Dalton back out there. Cause we know what it's going to look like if Nick Foles is our quarterback out there. So unless Nick gets on one of his streaks, it's going to be ugly. So what I want to see in the second half, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be whoever makes the better adjustments is going to win the football game uh, kind of thing. So whoever makes the better adjustments at the half is going to end up winning this thing. The Bears are up 7-0 right now. Um, we need to figure out something with the, with the passing, or the pass protection, I should say. And our receivers need to do a better job of getting separation, maybe running cleaner, sharper routes, something. Because on you know several times so far, the, the quarterbacks are sitting back there be, simply because the receivers aren't getting open. I mean, they're not sitting back there just waiting for them to get open on 30-yard routes or anything like that. They're sitting back there because... There's nobody for them to throw the football to. So our receivers need to do a better job of getting open. Our offensive linemen need to do a better job of protecting. Maybe keeping in some of those tight ends for some match protection or something to give the quarterbacks necessary time to find people uh, downfield. So whoever's able to shore that up on either side of the ball is the one that's going to come out on top today. And it would appear that the team that made the better adjustments uh, was us. And that was on the defensive side because the Bengals got uh, real anemic uh, on offense. Now, granted, you know, not scoring in the first half is is plenty uh, anemic, but the Bears really started shutting them down uh, in the uh, in the third quarter, and that carried over into the fourth, and we'll talk about that uh, here in a moment. But that little bit there at the end about the, the, the receivers getting open and the pass protection, it seemed like when our quarterbacks had time, to, to find receivers or to, when they had plenty of time to throw the ball, the receiver, they were just, like I said, they were just back there standing, waiting, you know, kind of moving around in the pocket. That's why Andy Dalton was scrambling. And, you know, that's what Justin Fields loves to do. Uh, and then other times it was, it was one or the other. It was the, the pass protection wasn't there. So, you know, the, the things needed to happen immediately or there had to be some scrambling or the pass protection was awesome but nobody was open. So it just seemed like uh, we couldn't win uh, in, in the passing game. And the final stats would reflect that because Dalton and Fields combined for 116 yards passing in the football game. So, yeah, we won a football game by p- throwing for less than 120 yards uh, in a game, which I saw on Twitter today was uh, like the seventh time or sixth or seventh time we've done that since 2017, which is Pretty amazing, and I think it says a ton about our defenses that we were able to pull that off, that we could throw the ball for less than 120 yards and win a game 
multiple times over the last several seasons. So kudos to the defense and kudos to what they were doing uh, in this ball game. You know, the third quarter, uh, we only gave up a field goal and uh, pretty much kept going after uh, Burrow and company. They had some success in the, in the running game uh, with Mixon, uh, but even he only had um, 69 yards rushing on the day on 20 attempts. So, again, he was he was running the ball well, but he wasn't taking it over. I think I actually say that here in the knee-jerk reaction later on. But, you know, we, we kept Burrow in check. We were getting in his face. And, uh, you know, then right around the fourth, or end of the third quarter going into the fourth is really where the defense kind of opened up the floodgates, and that's where the game broke open. Because at the end of three quarters, it's 7-3. to three. It's still a one-score game. It's easily, in, you know, it's it's not in doubt or anything, uh, or it's still in doubt and, and all that kind of stuff. And, and you're kind of wondering, it's like, does anybody want to win this game? Because we weren't overly making mistakes, but we weren't doing ourselves any favor favors on offense. And the same thing with 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 our defense shutting the Bengals down. It was really going to dis- really going to come down. It's like, is somebody going to go out and win this game? Or is one, are one of these teams just going to end up losing it? And uh, we didn't quite get our answer until the fourth quarter, but at the end of three, it looked like things were starting to go our way. <laughs> Knee-jerk reaction, third quarter, Bears, Bengals. Uh, uh, well, it's Justin Fields' game. Now he's been the, the starter for the entire second half, uh, despite Andy Dalton returning for the series after uh, he tweaked his knee. It's been fields all of the second half so far. Um, first drive wasn't pretty, or maybe it was the second one. Anyway, on third down, fields gets uh, gets hit from behind. Not like you know, dirty clean, you know, dirty hit where the, you know Peters Peters got beat, but he didn't get smashed back there. The guy swipes uh, Fields' hand or his arm. Ball comes loose, but Justin Fields, being the beast that he is. The ball gets like 10 yards backwards, and Fields is still the one who recovered it. I mean, an outstanding effort from Fields to cover up his own mistake. I mean, because the Bengals were going to scoop and score and take the lead uh, in this football game. They kicked the field goal uh, earlier in the game, which should not have happened because (laughs) third and 18 or something like that, uh, the Bears, you know, all the coverage in the world, Joe Burrow has to scramble. As he's going out of bounds, he's at least two yards. He's about, he's almost like the entire sideline stripe into the Bears bench. Robert Quinn, you know, gives him a shoulder and give Joe Burrow the Oscar uh, for best supporting actor uh, on that one. But, uh, you know, he goes down, 15-yard flag, what should have been 4th and 18 with the Bengals punting from inside their own 20 was the 15-yard penalty that extended the drive, giving the Bengals uh, the three points that they have. Otherwise, the defense is locking it down. They've sacked Burrow four times uh, in this football game. Joe Mixon, he's doing pretty well running the football, but he's not taking over the game like he was uh, against Minnesota. 
you know, the Bears are in control of this thing. And then on this drive here, just before the end of the third quarter, uh, Justin Fields is looking much better. Uh, getting passes, you know, uh, downfield. Had uh, one good-looking play to uh, Allen Robinson on third down. A nice pass uh, to uh, Darnell Mooney to get us inside the 10-yard line. And that's where we sit right now. It's third and goal from, I think, the six. Actually, I take it back. It's from the eleven. Because for some reason, Justin Fields has been called for two false start penalties because he's starting to rock back thinking that the ball is coming and Mustafer isn't snapping the goddamn ball. But here we are, third and goal from the 11. Let's see if the Bears can punch it in and take control of this ball game. couple of things from that little rant. Number one, <laughs> I got to start writing this shit down because you're going to hear me in the fourth quarter talking about the score, and I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't, I actually forget that we kick a, this drive that we finished the third quarter with start the fourth quarter with, we kick a field goal and we're up 10 to three. You're going to hear me talking about how, um, like basically the way that I tell it in the fourth quarter knee jerk reaction, we scored our 13 points in the fourth quarter off of those three turnovers. That's not true. Uh, like I said, I got to start writing this down, but, uh, <laughs> I got to start taking notes, uh, during the game. But the, the Robert Quinn thing, that, that's exactly what I was talking about, uh, you know, after the first quarter uh, knee-jerk reaction, which was like, you know, it, it just seemed like the reason I was talking about the penalties is because it wasn't so much what one team was doing uh, as much as it was about the other team helping them do it. Like the Bengals would have been scoreless. They would have been kicking the football back to us if Robert Quinn, who's like a 10, 11-year veteran at this point wouldn't have done the stupid I mean this isn't the taunting penalty this is stupid on another level okay the kid is out of bounds the two of you are basically about to sit down and have Gatorade together that's how far you are into the bench and you give him a shoulder and knock him down now granted like I said he did a uh you know a a gorgeous uh flop uh I don't remember who who it is in the NBA that does the flops or that's you know gets a hard time about it but I mean, it was a gorgeous flop, a beautiful performance on on Joe Burrow's uh, behalf. But uh, he shouldn't have laid a finger on Burrow, not a not a goddamn fingernail. And he goes running into him, knocks him over, and fourth and eighteen. He basically ran right out at the at the line of scrimmage on third and eighteen. Would have been fourth and eighteen. They're punting from inside, deep their own territory. Would have been great field position uh, for us and set us up well to do something. Uh, with the play but instead the drive is extended and they were able to work that into a field goal now granted it was a 53 yard field goal so they didn't drive all the way into our territory or or anything like that but they got points on the board that they didn't really earn we gave it to them again so uh, you know you were kind of wondering that the whole first three quarters we're like this. It was more so about the team taking advantage of the mistakes the other team was making than one team taking over the football game. Then the fourth quarter happened. And, um, you know, we were the defense then completely took over uh, the first three quarters of the fourth quarter, uh, you know, dominating, you know, f- about 12 of the 15 minutes, uh, if you will, to kind of put the game uh, out of reach. But um, that play that I mentioned real quick about Justin Fields, that that play basically saved the game, to be honest with you, because if they scoop and score, then it's 10 to seven there. 
and then the 14 points that they add later on in the fourth quarter win the game for them. They win the game 24 to 20 uh, if, if it goes down. Justin Fields gets the ball knocked out. You know, it was, uh, you know, just the pass rush. He beat, beat Peters uh, around the corner, swiped his arm. The ball comes out. And just as the defender's getting ready to pick up the football, Justin Fields reaches for it and kind of knocks it out of his hands and then recovers it. So, granted, it was like an 18-yard loss on the play. We, obviously, we ended up having to punt uh, on that drive. That beats the hell out of a scoop and score that, you know, all of a sudden now we're losing uh, the game. I heard some, I read some cynical tweets today. Would we be saying the same thing if that had happened to Mitch? Yeah. That's how awesome the effort was because he, you know, the ball got knocked out of his hands. Not exactly his fault. He, I mean, he wasn't protecting it like he should have while he was in the pocket, but he fumbled the football and he went the extra mile to recover it. If Mitch had done the same thing, it wouldn't have been Mitch's. I mean, Okay, maybe there would have been some cynics that said what I just said. He wasn't protecting the ball in the pocket. It's like, however, the fact that he made the effort, A, stopped the defender from picking the football up, and B, recovered the fumble, would have erased the mistake of not protecting the ball. So, I mean, he basically he's getting sacked either way. He, the guy beat Peters around the edge. So, I mean, that sack was happening. So it was just a matter of was he tackled there or eight to 10 yards down the field after recovering uh, the fumble, the effort would have forgiven the mistake. So I do. Yeah. Mitch would have been praised and or forgiven for fumbling the football with that effort to get the ball back. Absolutely. He absolutely would have, that would not have been Mitch's Mitch's fault for getting sacked because Peters got beat around the edge like that. So the people still out there defending Mitch, um, yeah, it's nonsense. Anyway, but like I said, it just really didn't seem like either team really wanted to take control. But like I said, the defense was asserting itself. We got two more sacks in that quarter. Sean Desai was doing an outstanding job mixing up the um, mixing up the defensive looks, like the 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 uh, the one where where uh, where Quinn and Mac. Both got their sacks on Sunday. He had them lined up on the same side next to each other. It's like almost reminiscent of uh, Wilbur Marshall and Otis Wilson being lined up on the same side in the 46. And, you know, they would run a stunt and one of them would come free. The first time it was Quinn. The second time it was Mac. And, that, I mean, the, the, the Bengals just flat out blew the protection on the fourth sack that Roquan Smith uh, ended up getting. I mean, he just came right through. Nobody touched him. Boom. He goes and sacks uh, Burrow for number four uh, on the afternoon. So uh, John Desai did an outstanding job, a really nice bounce back performance after being exploited against the uh, Rams uh, last Sunday. I mean, and like I said, this was a team that we were worried almost as much as we were about the Rams killing us with their big play potential. And it didn't happen until the game was basically already uh, decided. They had that one great play at the in the fourth quarter. You'll you hear me talk about it, and, and we'll talk about it more after the fourth quarter uh, knee-jerk reaction. But in the third quarter, it's really where we started to assert ourselves on defense. And then, like I said, in the fourth quarter, that's where the floodgates opened. Four turnovers on four straight drives, and the Bears end up uh, running away uh, with the game. But... With, <laughs> with a rookie mistake by our rookie quarterback, 
it became a nail biter uh, at the end. <laughs> Knee jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Bengals. Lots of fireworks here in the fourth quarter. Some really, really awesome for us as Bear fans, but the fireworks at the end, not so much fun. <laughs> things, things got a little tense for us Bear fans there at the end. Um, we'll start with the good stuff. You know, it was still what seven to three, ten to three, no seven to three, going into the fourth quarter, and the Bears, Roquan Smith with a with his best Brian Urlacher impersonation ever, comes up with the pick six. You know, from fifty four yards out, he just kind of out of nowhere steals the ball out of the air and then uh, rumbles it in fifty four yards uh, for a touchdown to make it fourteen to three. Um, Allen Robinson uh, did his best Javon Wims impersonation by letting the ball go right through his hands in the end zone. It was as perfect a throw as um, Justin Fields could have made. And trust me, if Robinson comes down with that throw, it is the, you know, the Soldier Field may have crumbled from the ovation that the crowd would have made to see Fields throw an on-point, you know, dart of a touchdown pass to Robinson like that. But uh, unfortunately, it goes right through his arms, hit him in the bread basket. He doesn't come down with it. We settle for a field goal uh, on that drive. And um, if they go that, if they catch that pass, it's 24 to 3. And even though there would have been like eight, nine minutes still left to go uh, in the game, the Bears are clearly in the driver's seat. Uh, at this point, we have all the momentum. We have all the crowd behind us, the whole nine yards. And instead, we have to settle for the field goal to make it 20-3. to three. And then on the ensuing drive, after throwing three picks on three consecutive pass attempts, Joe Burrow then turns around and throws a touchdown pass to Jamar Chase. It was kind of the play that we've been dreading all week long after what the Rams did to us. And then after they score to make it 20-10, to 10, Justin Fields makes his first big rookie mistake. Well, maybe his second if we're counting the fumble in the first half. But his first real big rookie mistake. Throws an interception. Didn't see the linebacker coming across the middle. Um, Very much in the same vein as uh, what Roquan did to uh, Joe Burrow. But uh, he picks off Justin Fields deep in our own territory on the very next play from seven yards out. Touchdown pass. Uh, for from Burrow to T. Higgins, who after throwing three straight interceptions, now threw three two straight touchdowns to make it twenty to seventeen. You know, and now it went from us kind of cruising to a victory to all of a sudden this kind of turning into a yeah but kind of game uh, for us. But the Bears uh, get the ball back after the touchdown. We get some first downs, burn up all of Cincy's timeouts, and we just got done with the victory formation to hang on. To the win, 20 to 17. And honestly, guys, it was 20 to 17, but it wasn't that close a game. We, for the most part, the Bears dominated uh, this thing, especially on defense. You know, uh, it's, I would have been fine with 20 to 10, but 20, 20 to 10 tells the story, 20 to 17 doesn't. You know what I mean? It just, uh, you know, just like last week, yeah, the, the, the Rams beat us 34 to 14, but they weren't 20 points better than us. Uh, last week, you know, it's like we we weren't we weren't only three better three points better than the Bengals today. So uh, that's just how I feel about it. Anyway, 
We come away with the win. Um, we hang on. Hang on for the victory. We go to one and one, and uh, we go to Cleveland. Big game on the road next Sunday. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course. I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> so there it is, guys. Uh, we, we come away with the victory. We have to hang on uh, at the end. And it was, it was up to Andy, it was, excuse me, it was up to Justin Fields and the offense to kind of go and close it out there uh, after that uh, touchdown that made it 20 uh, to 17. And Justin Fields did it with his legs. He got an important third down, had the presence of mind to stay in bounds, you know, slide to the ground after uh, getting the, the line to gain, stayed in bounds. And after that, since he had to burn up their timeouts and they just ran out of time and couldn't get the ball back from us as we shortly after the two minute warning went to the victory formation to uh, to hang on and, and close out uh, the victory. So, you know, I. Um, the the turnovers were were a barrage, you know. The, the Eddie Jackson and um, Tashawn Gibson teamed up for one. Eddie Jackson with the forced fumble, Tashawn Gibson with the recovery. Uh, the then of course the the highlight of the entire football game was Roquan's interception number one because it was it was shades of Brian Urlacher the way that he went and just kind of stole the ball. Uh, out of the air was uh, very Erlacher-esque. It was deja vu. And what, what was funny was after I had posted that on Twitter, Lance Briggs was like, boy, I've seen that somewhere before. And Dan Pompey um, was also saying, you know, you know, 58 looked like 54 uh, kind of thing. It was all over that, you know, everybody saw it too. Like that was very Erlacher-esque what he did uh, on that interception, especially, you know, using his jets to run it in. Uh, for the touchdown very next because it was I think they the the Bengals ran the ball on one play and then the very next play was a pass attempt Jalen Johnson steps in front of one played it perfect had his eyes in the backfield the whole time because they were playing zone and he broke on the ball immediately he undercut the route made the interception and then the third one was kind of the sweetest one because uh Desai sent uh Ogletree on a on a blitz he gets to Burrow, who hits the ball just as he's throwing it, 
kind of flies around in the air. Angelo Blackson, the nose tackle, comes down with it. And that's what led to the final uh, field goal to make it 20 uh, to 3. And then, like I said, the, the Bengals got that got that big play. It was a 42-yarder to Jamar Chase to 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 make it 20 to 10. And like I said, that that's what the that's how the game felt like it went. That's what it felt like. They, you can't take away that play uh to Jamar Chase. You can't take away the field goal as much as I'd like to because it was the basically an assist from Robert Quinn on that one, that stupid penalty. But the the last one, I mean, give credit where credit's due. That guy fooled Fields. I mean, Fields made the right read, but he just didn't see the linebacker drop back into uh, the zone. Just as he threw it, the, the guy stepped right in front of it. He was going to hit Marquise Goodwin on a crossing route. And, um, you know, it was like he made the – I think he made the right read, or at least that's how it sounds anyway. Like he made the, the right read, but he just didn't see the linebacker who, who was showing blitz drop back into the – Zone. So basically, the rookie got fooled on that play, and uh, they made us pay for it. And it's like a one-play, seven-yard drive, and now all of a sudden, it's twenty to seventeen. It's like, oh man, we're not going to choke on this one, are we? But uh, like I said, we we took the football and we held on to it, did not give it back to Cincinnati, and uh, hang on to the win. So we go up to one and one. Since he falls to one and one, we get our ninth consecutive victory against the AFC North looking to take down the uh, the best team in the division this coming Sunday uh, in the Cleveland Browns. So, you know, it's it's the, the story of the week is going to be Andy Dalton's injury status. And we've already heard the good news that it's not an ACL, so we haven't lost him uh, for the season. So ACL has been ruled out. Right now it's being classified as a bone bruise, which we're hearing from different places, two weeks, three weeks, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, so basically, Justin Fields uh, has three weeks to convince Nagy that uh, we shouldn't give the job back to Dalton when he's ready. That's basically what Justin Fields' job is now. And it's Matt Nagy's job to make sure that he puts Justin Fields in the best position to succeed. Because I don't think that we did on Sunday. Because we had to definitely go outside the package we had prepared for him when he had to play the entire second half. So, you know, we didn't really see things that were tailored very much to Justin Fields, or at least not on an extended amount of plays. And a lot of things that we saw, I think, on Sunday, you heard me mention this in the bear up and bear down, I think were timing issues. Like you heard me mention the false starts that were called on Justin Fields because he started rocking back thinking that the ball was going to come. Well, he spends most of his practice week getting snaps from whoever our backup center is because he's running the scout team. That's how he gets his reps um, is running the scout team against our defense. So he's working with a, a different center, not working with Mustafer as much uh, and, you know, so he's getting called for those false starts because he's starting to rock back expecting the football to come and it's not coming. So I'm thinking that if he's practicing as the starter all week long, little things like that will get shored up. Because uh, I was also thinking that some of the incompletions uh, that were being done were timing issues. Uh, that uh, because he's not getting in all of the reps with Mooney and uh, Robinson and, and uh, Goodwin and, and all of those guys that, um, you know, they're not on the same page as far as 
the timing is concerned because a lot of it in the NFL with with quarterbacks and receivers is is timing. Like when it's this point, this is where that receiver is going to be. That's repetition. That's practice. So I'm hoping that I mean, I'm just probably not going to happen all in one week. But as he gets more time with the starters and, and you know getting practice reps with the with Robinson and company, that those things will fix themselves. You know, because you saw what he was doing in the preseason with guys like uh, Rodney Adams and, 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 and Lacey and Javon Johnson or Javon Johnson or whatever, John Vay Johnson, sorry, and uh, Jesse James and, and all those guys, how, how good he looked because those are the guys that he's getting reps with day in and day out with practice. So I'm hoping you give him a week or two uh, practicing with the ones while Andy Dalton is out, he's going to be as sharp as he's going to be the sharpest knife in the drawer uh, by the end of that. So um, then it'll just be up to Nagy to put Justin Fields in the best position to succeed and kind of make it impossible for Andy Dalton to get his job back when he's healthy enough to play. So, uh, because trust me, if Dalton plays, well, not Dalton, if, um, if Justin plays well, a against the Browns, even in a losing effort, and then B plays well next week when we play the Lions at home, say that it's on the conservative end, that Dalton's ready to come back after two weeks. If they reinsert Dalton as the starter, if you know, and Justin Fields is playing like we expect Justin Fields to play like one day, that will go over about as well as a fart in a spacesuit, man. That will not, there will be a lot, a lot of angry Bear fans, including this one right here. If uh, Justin Fields plays well, splits the next two games, plays well against Cleveland, beats the Lions, so we're 2-2 two and two going into Vegas uh, at the start of October, uh, not going to be happy. Not going to be happy uh, at all. It's going to be a lot of angry Bear fans uh, when we put Dalton in just because of the old adage that you shouldn't lose your job to injury. Sorry, man. The, the, future, the future train has left the station. Andy Dalton's not on it. So if he wants to be on this team, he'll be our backup, and that's just how it's going to be. We're riding with the kid. So I hope that's not a conversation that we have to have uh, later on. Uh, this year so if Dalton truly is out for the next couple of weeks and it's on Justin Fields to help us beat the Browns and the Lions and and maybe even the Raiders before Andy Dalton playing again is even part of the discussion um, I'm hoping that if he does play well and maybe if he goes you know two and one and we beat the Raiders in the or God forbid if we win all three games you can forget about it you can absolutely forget about Dalton playing again uh, in 2021 so, or at least not under the same circumstances that he went in. So, um, yeah, that's going to be the story of the week is, uh, is Dalton's status. And we probably won't learn it until Friday because we know based on today's interviews uh, on Monday that uh, Nagy's not just going to offer it uh, to anyone. He's not going to tell everyone that Dalton's uh, bone bruise isn't that serious and they expect him to play against the Browns. He wants the Browns preparing for both quarterbacks. That's what he wants. That's the gamesmanship, and that's fine. But, you know, it's, it's silly. And it's, and, and it's irritating as a, as a fan of the team because we just want to know, is the kid going to start or is it going to be Dalton? But him and the stupid-ass gamesmanship, he can't let the Browns know which one it's going to be, which I think, honestly, forget about my selfish desire to know. I think it's cowardly. I really do. I think it's cowardly to say, well, we don't know who our starting quarterback is going to be, you know, like the 49ers did all throughout training camp. They held on to that secret until 
the very end is like, oh, it's Jimmy G. We're still working on Trey Lance. Okay, so what's the harm in telling the world that it's Jimmy Garoppolo is your starting quarterback? You know, same thing here. If Andy Dalton's not healthy enough, tell the Browns, Justin Fields is coming. Do your worst. You know, we're confident in the kid. We're confident in his ability. You know, I, we keep hearing about how there are wow plays every single day in practice. He's far beyond where they thought he would be at this point. Bill Lazor, our offensive coordinator, is talking about how he looks like he's belonging. He looks like he belongs. He looks like we could throw anything at him, so on and so forth. You hear about how the players talk about him, how he's got a different aura uh, about him. I love that, uh, that 1920 football drive um, you know, summary of the preseason where the, they were talking about fields and it was like, that boy just runs on a different gear. Nobody's talking about Andy Dalton like that. They're talking about Justin Fields. Um, you know, they uh, are really, the team is excited about Fields and they, they, like us, can't wait for him to be the starter so they can rally around him. You know, it's like, I don't think the defense, that silly conspiracy theory about the defense playing poorly because they want Justin Fields out there. Okay. Well, now he's out there. And, you know, the conspiracy theory is only getting fed more because he started the entire second half, and that's where we got two more sacks and four turnovers, and we're putting points on the board and so on and so forth. So conspiracy theorists are feeling like geniuses right now. But, um, you know, it's uh, – I don't really see the point, the gamesmanship thing. I, I just don't get it. I think it's cowardly is what I think, that any team does it, not just us, but that any team is like, well, we're not going to tell them who our starter is going to be or who they need to prepare for, blah, blah, blah. Well, you're a coward. Tell them who it is. Show your team you have confidence. Like, yeah, this is, this is our starter. This is who's going to be our running back. This is going to be our quarterback and everything. You don't have to tell them the X's and O's. Just got to tell them who, this, who the player is going to be. This is who you're going to have to stop on Sunday. Good luck. We have all the confidence in the world in this kid, and we're, we're proud to see what he's going to do. And I don't see the harm in that. I really don't. So... But then again, that's why I'm the fat guy on the couch and they're making millions to make these decisions. So uh, anyway, guys, that is going to do it for week two. Let's close the book on the Bengals and we're on to Cleveland now. So we will be back on Thursday. Myself and Jeff Lloyd from Locked on Browns will be back to preview week number three between the Bears and the Browns. And don't forget to tune in on Wednesday night. Uh, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern for the uh, Club 34-7 on the Spotify Green Room. You can follow me uh, under, my name is Larry D, Larry D-E-E. I don't know why they wouldn't let me use D period, but they wouldn't. Uh, so Larry D-E-E, follow me on the Spotify Green Room and you'll be alerted uh, when I am going live. So come on in, talk to me, hear me jibber jabber about the game and because uh, I think by the time that that I do the live show on Wednesday, I will have spoken to Jeff Lloyd. I know we're getting together on Wednesday. I'm not sure what time uh, just yet, but I believe it will be before the Spotify Green Room show. So maybe I'll be summarizing that for you, B, and you'll be able to hear it drop on uh, Thursday morning. We'll talk about how the first two games have gone, what we're uh, you know looking forward to with Justin Fields now that the season uh, is underway and, um, you know, We've seen him play some, and uh, he may be the starter against the Browns on Sunday uh, and all that kind of stuff. So be sure to join me, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 o'clock Central time. And, uh, yeah, 
We'll talk about that. And we'll be back Thursday with Jeff Lloyd from Locked On Browns to preview the game. And then the deep dive, of course, will be on Friday. So come on back on Thursday for the Jeff Lloyd interview. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been Bears Talk Underground. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.